0: This is the local coronavirus update. I'm in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. We are going to cut away to the president's. Uh, he's doing a commemoration memorial kind of ceremony right now for 500,000 deaths from COVID 19.
1: A grim milestone indeed
0: very grim and so we're expecting his remarks to start shortly and then we are going to cut away to those but it's supposed to be pretty short and then he and vice president harris are going to do a candle lighting ceremony so um that's all going to be happening imminently like any second now okay so and i've got that sort of happening in my other ear so why don't you
1: <laughs> so yeah 500,000 deaths. deaths oh, here it is oh, here he comes right on time
2: have been infected by or died from COVID-19. Today, we mark a truly grim, heartbreaking milestone. 500,071 dead. That's more Americans who have died in one year in this pandemic than in World War I, World War II, and the Vietnam War combined. That's more lives lost to this virus than any other nation on Earth. But as we acknowledge the scale of this mass death in America, we remember each person and the life they lived. They're people we knew. They're people we feel like we knew read the obituaries and remembrances. The son who called his mom every night just to check in, the father's daughter who lit up his world, the best friend who was always there, the nurse, the nurse and nurses, but the nurse who made her patients want to live. I was just in Kalamazoo, Michigan, at the Pfizer vaccine manufacturing facility. There I met a man when I walked in whose father-in-law was dying of the virus. He was sad. I asked if I could call his father-in-law. He said his father-in-law was too sick to speak. But then he said, but could I pray for him? Could I pray for him? We all know someone, fellow Americans, who live lives of struggle, purpose, and of hope. Who talked late into the night about their dreams. Who wore the uniform born to serve. Who loved, played, and always offered a hand. We often hear people described as ordinary Americans. There's no such thing. There's nothing ordinary about them. The people we lost were extraordinary. They spanned generations born in America, immigrated to America. But just like that, so many of them took their final breath alone in America. As a nation, we can't accept such a cruel fate. While we've been fighting this pandemic for so long, we have to resist becoming numb to the sorrow. We have to resist viewing each life as a statistic or a blur or on the news. We must do so to honor the dead, but equally important, care for the living, those left behind. For the loved ones left behind, I know all too well. I know what it's like to not be there when it happens. I know what it's like when you are there holding their hands. There's a look in your eye and they slip away. That black hole in your chest, you feel like you're being sucked into it. The survivor's remorse, the anger, the questions of faith in your soul. For some of you, it's been a year, a month, a week, a day, even an hour. And I know that when you stare at that empty chair around the kitchen table, it brings it all back no matter how long ago it happened, as if it just happened that moment you look at that empty chair. The birthdays, the anniversaries, the holidays without them. And the everyday things, the small things, the tiny things that you miss the most, that scent when you open the closet... That park you go by that you used to stroll in. That movie theater where you met. (laughs) The morning coffee you shared together. The bend in his smile. The perfect pitch to her laugh. I received a letter from a daughter whose father died of COVID-19 on Easter Sunday last year. She and her children, his grandchildren, and her Lent this season, a season of reflection and renewal, with heavy hearts. Unable to properly mourn, she asked me in the letter, what was our loss among so many others? Well, that's what has been so cruel. So many of the rituals that help us cope, that help us honor those we loved, haven't been available to us. The final rites with family gathered around. The proper homegoing, showered with stories and love. Tribal leaders passing out the final traditions of sacred cultures on sacred lands. As a nation, we cannot and we must not let this go on. That's why the day before my inauguration, The COVID-19 memorial at the Reflecting Pool on the National Mall, I said to heal, to heal we must remember. I know it's hard, I promise you, I know it's hard, I remember, but that's how you heal, you have to remember. And it's also important to do that as a nation. For those who have lost loved ones, this is what I know. They're never truly gone. They'll always be part of your heart. I know this as well, and it seems unbelievable, but I promise you, the day will come when the memory of the loved one you lost will bring a smile to your lips before a tear to your eye. It will come, I promise you. My prayer for you, though, is that they will come sooner rather than later. And that's when you know you're going to be OK. You're going to be OK. And for me, the way through sorrow and grief is to find purpose. I don't know how many you have lost someone a while ago wondering, is he or she proud of me now? Is this what they want me to do? I know that's how I feel we can find purpose purpose worthy of the lives they lived and worthy of the country we love so today i ask all americans to remember remember those we lost and those who are left behind but as we remember as we all remember i also ask us to act to remain vigilant to stay socially distanced, to mask up, get vaccinated when it's your turn. We must end the politics and misinformation that's divided families, communities in the country. This cost too many lives already. It's not Democrats and Republicans who are dying from the virus. It's our fellow Americans. It's our neighbors, our friends, our mothers, our fathers, our sons, our daughters husbands, wives. We have to fight this together as one people, as the United States of America. That's the only way we're going to beat this virus, I promise you. The only way to spare more pain and more loss, the only way these milestones no longer mark our national mourning. These milestones, I should say, no, no longer mark our national mourning. Let this not be a story of how far we fell, but of how far we climbed back up. We can do this. For in this year of profound loss, we've seen profound courage from all of you on the front lines. I know the stress, the trauma, the grief you carry. But you give us hope. You keep us going. You remind us that we do take care of our own. That we leave nobody behind. And while we've been humbled, we have never given up. We are America. We can and will do this. In just a few minutes, Jill and I, Kamala and Doug, will hold a moment of silence here in the White House, the People's House, your house. We ask you to join us remember so we can heal, to find purpose in the work ahead, to show that there is light in the darkness, this nation will smile again, this nation will know sunny days again, this nation will know joy again, and as we do, we'll remember each person we've lost, the lives they lived, the loved ones they left behind. We will get through this, I promise you. But my heart aches for those of you who are going through it right now. May God bless you all, particularly those who have lost someone. God bless you.
3: That was President Biden speaking live just now at the White House. You are listening to live coverage from NPR News.
0: All right, and this is Alicia Bells in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. This is our local coronavirus update time, so we thought it was appropriate.
1: Not local, but certainly on topic.
0: Yeah, I mean, five hundred thousand deaths nationwide. Yeah, it's,
1: I mean, it's he referenced the as a point of comparison the wars. It's it's really the equivalent in the year that we've been dealing with this with. Two, uh, three fully loaded 747s crashing every single day for last year. That's that's that number. It's a number that is very hard for us to wrap our minds around because we don't generally think in terms of five hundred thousands of anything. But three three jumbo jets fully loaded with passengers going down every single day for last year. That's the toll. Um, and you know, it really he didn't he alluded to this not being a Republican or a Democratic. Um, disease, which obviously it's not. But let's be very clear. Our government failed us massively. We have suffered 20% of the world's fatalities from this pandemic, and a large proportion of those deaths result entirely from our government's failure to have an organized, coherent, science-based, clear messaging uh, policy around this pandemic for the for the past year, really. I mean, we're, we're, we're getting there, but this is a colossal failure that has resulted in maybe not 500,000 deaths... But a substantial fraction could have been avoided.
0: Preventable deaths. Yeah.
1: And it should also be noted that when you take into account excess deaths, um, we're well over 500,000. Uh-huh. You know, we're up in the 700,000 range once you account for excess deaths in this country. Um, so it's, it, it's worse than it even sounds when you're talking about it nationally.
0: Wow. Well, what's an excess death?
1: Well, we look at we look at mortality as a whole in the country, and we know kind of where we would expect it to be, um, given given our population and disease burden. I mean that and it follows a very linear path. And over the last year, we've seen a major spike in deaths, in excess of the five hundred thousand people who have succumbed to COVID.
0: So tracking the COVID deaths, we've gotten to five hundred thousand, but
1: but other people have died, you know. From other causes that could have been avoided if they had received um, the mm-hmm. proper medical care, you know, if the healthcare system hadn't been burdened, if they hadn't been um, too nervous to seek attention in a timely manner for medical problems, and that that has led to excess mortality in this country.
0: Got it. So, uh, not just uncounted COVID deaths, but also this cascading kind of consequences of COVID and the impact on our healthcare system and our lives.
1: Yes. But, you know, grim, grim um, speech there by Biden and grim sort of number, I can say, however, having worked. Five shifts since our last show that I did not diagnose a single person in the ER with COVID.
0: That's phenomenal.
1: Um, So things are improving, um, at least anecdotally, um, in the department. It certainly is the impression of my colleagues in Ukiah that things are improving, and that's borne out in the numbers as well. Um, So combination of partial immunity due to so many people having uh, contracted COVID in this county and the vaccine rollout going quite well in this county um, and people still being very careful um, have resulted in a pretty significant downturn locally. Which yeah,
0: is Yeah it just looks like the numbers are just dropping like a stone like yeah. the grid the, the little curve that we've been watching for this whole year is going straight
1: down. It's it's going down about as quickly as a biologic curve can. Um, you know, we're still at numbers that are kind of in the early November, uh, yeah. late October range, right. but uh, it's certainly uh, much, much improved from six to eight weeks ago. So let's get to the numbers before we yammer on too much. Um, we are now um, approaching 4,000 deaths in this county, a bit a but bit no, shy, 37. I'm sorry, cases, Um, uh, 3,786 COVID-confirmed cases. Um, Our daily average has dropped, finally. It's trending down. We have been sort of on a plateau, um, but now we're averaging about 16 a day, and our positivity is still pretty high at 7%. Um but the numbers are improving and the the 2 week rolling average has resulted on, in in only um uh, 200 people or there are about slightly under 200 people um in isolation or quarantine in this county. Oh, is that
0: is m- a huge change.
1: Significant improvement. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Cuz we were up to 700. People. We were
1: at 700 for a while. Um so and that yeah, that just reflects you know everything that we have done so far as well as I think, the majority of people getting getting the memo, so to speak, and, and masking up and distancing and whatnot. So things are looking better locally. California is down 50% over seven days. Um, remarkable improvement. Hospitalization is down 40% um, in California uh, over the same time period. And 14% of Californians have received at least one vaccine. Our numbers locally are much higher. Uh, we are... Don't don't tell the state this, but we are doing <laughs> quite well here in Mendocino County. Um, per public health, uh, public health has distributed and overseen the administration of about 15,000 vaccines. Um, Adventist um, has uh, distributed and administered between 11 and 12,000 vaccines. Um, And that doesn't take into account um, the consolidated vaccine efforts and the efforts of CVS. So I think it's fair to say that we are about at 30,000 vaccines administered in this county of 85,000. That's, you know, it's a two-dose vaccine regimen. So, you know, it's somewhere between 15 and, say, 25,000 people that have been vaccinated, I suspect, um, which is... You know, much higher than any any other state, certainly, um, and reflects really a lot of effort uh, of healthcare administrators, administrators and uh, caregivers in this county. So, we're doing quite well in that regard. That's
0: great. And yeah. vaccine efforts continue this week. I, I rounded up as much information as I could. Should we go ahead and announce that?
1: Sure. And you know, I don't I don't know if many of these or many of these are um, taking. Walk-ins. I think a lot of the right. lot of them require sign-ups, but we should at least get the word out there.
0: Yeah, that um, that. Hey, if you hear your uh, if you hear an event coming closer to you, that you can take the time and sign up on the websites. That would be the time to do it. So, public health uh, county-administered vaccine events. There's a first dose event uh, on the 23rd, which is tomorrow, from one to three at Mendocino High School gym. This is for people in all tiers of phase one. 1A, sorry, as well as agricultural food and lodging workers. And you need to sign up at MendocinoCounty.org. And there's a second dose clinic tomorrow as well at the Mendocino High School Gym from 10 a.m. to 1215 p.m. That's for people who got their first dose at the Mendocino High School Gym on February 2nd, 2021. Uh, And they say leave the accessibility code blank when registering. Uh, But you do need to register uh, at MendocinoCounty.org. Adventist says they have uh, three vaccine clinics coming up this week. One in Ukiah on Wednesday at the Alex Rohrabah Center, one on the coast at CV Star on Thursday, and one in Willits on Sunday. you got to sign up to be on their database to get an email from them telling you that it's time for you to come in, in to get your Vaccine, um, and you can find that link to sign up at Adventist Ukiah's Facebook page. Or if somebody, if you if you know somebody who's computer literate, get them to do you a, a fave and and get you signed up through the internet.
1: And I believe they are also still pulling data from vaccinatemendo.com. Um, so it's I would I would sign up on both um, both. Uh, Data banks uh, to maximize your chance of getting the call to get the jab.
0: There's something called JotForm that now people are using, uh, and and we're transitioning to My Turn, which is the state-administered website.
1: It's also so clear. Yes, yeah. Yeah.
0: yes, but yeah. I mean it will be clearer. And I I was told by Lucretia Renteria at MCC this morning that uh, M- vaccinate Mendo is going phasing well. away. Yeah, phasing out. So uh, Anderson Valley is vaccinating. 232nd uh, COVID doses this week, and they anticipate 100 to 200 first doses. They are waiting to hear if they can go down to 65 and older. Uh, so if you are 65 and older and are not an Anderson Valley Health Center patient, but live or work in the Valley or have not been seen in the last two years, you should register on their JOT form or call them at 895 34 Seven seven. So that's a nice chunk that's coming into the valley here. It's
1: yeah. It's not you know. It's obviously not as many as we would like. It's certainly not as many as we could administer. Um, but it is continuing to come into the to the county, which yep. is what we need. Well, as long, then, as, as long as the vaccine is being used up as fast as we get it, um, that's my personal beef. It doesn't do any good sitting in a freezer anywhere. In
0: a freezer with yeah. the possibility of. Yeah. anyway then mendocino coast clinics is having two vaccination clinics this week uh on tuesday and on friday and they're going to do a total of 800 doses this week so the first the the tuesday clinic is an all first dose clinic uh and the friday clinic is a combination of first dose and second dose so they want to get as many food service workers as possible in tomorrow's clinic so if you're a food service worker uh they are going to be calling patients registered with them to schedule appointments make sure to answer your phones because lucretia told me they have they have workers calling people 50 phone calls and nobody picks up so uh they are trying to figure out a more efficient way to reach people stay tuned for that but uh but there's going to be a lot of vaccines happening in in uh on the coast this this week
1: so that's what i got for you Good. All right. Other news. Um I guess we should talk about our show. Oh, yes. Yes, let's do that. We've been do doing that. this for a year now. We have. It's been such a joyful year. I I kind of feel like and we've been discussing this off the air um that perhaps we should go to a once weekly format. And so we have come to the conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> it has been decided. It has been decided. It has been declared <laughs> and decreed that the local coronavirus update with Dr. Covid um, <laughs> will be Mondays at 3. From 3 to 4. From 3 to 4 if if we can fill the hour. Yep. Yeah.
0: So we're going to extend we're not it's not going to be any less time. We're still going to give you Two 30 30-minute segments. They're just going to be at the
1: same time. <laughs> back to back.
0: <laughs> Mondays from 3 to 4 o'clock and we'll go back to our regularly scheduled programming on Wednesdays or we'll use it for urgent updates if needed.
1: Yeah, and if things change um then our schedule will change as well but right now we're sort of in this slog of vaccine rollout and there's not a lot of breaking covid news um i think we all know what we're dealing with at this point um obviously we're still getting a lot of questions from people which is why i think the show serves a purpose locally um but doing it twice weekly seems perhaps not necessary at the moment It, it may change it may change um when we forget how bad things were in december and january in california and we start going out and we stop wearing our masks and we see another surge in the end of april and early may as we start to see these british and south african strains take root here um but hopefully not Right, Hopefully so we are vaccinating ourselves um, out of this uh, pandemic just fast enough, as long as we keep in mind that we are not there yet and keep doing what we need to do to keep ourselves safe.
0: Yeah, so once a week reminder. Yes. But maybe on Wednesdays we can go back to our ordinary shelter-in-places. I mean, we're not out of the woods. We're not no, done not by at any means. No, all, names,
1: and there's still... A, Great, you know, significant cause for concern um, as we see these strains taking taking root in this country, and you know the vaccines don't work as well um, from what we can tell on these strains. Um, The FDA just today actually issued guidelines uh, for the pharmaceutical companies in terms of how they can uh, modify their vaccines to uh, treat these strains. Interesting. The the really neat thing about these vaccines is they are very nimble, Um, and so it's it's very well, it's relatively easy um it's quick let's say that to um, tweak the um, RNA to code for the protein that these viruses have mutated to um, and so that can be done it, probably in about six weeks. Um, getting it into full production might take a bit longer, but the FDA just today sort of gave those guidelines, and that at least is some clarity that was much needed by, by these companies.
0: So, and the, the vaccines seem to prevent the worst of illness even in the uh, the, uh, the new strains, right?
1: Correct, yes. They, they do seem to prevent um, people from getting acutely ill um, or you know, critically ill or dying, the, the, it reduces the risk of that significantly, which is really the main thing that you want from a vaccine. But it means that, um, or the the ability of these vaccine these strains to evade the vaccine means that they will continue to spread amongst us until we, you know, get high enough immunity and high enough vaccine uptake.
0: Well, um, something else weird happened last week. Uh, And that is that we had an outbreak at a um, skilled nursing facility in Ukiah, the Mountain View uh, facility. And all the people who got sick had been vaccinated. Yeah. They'd all had their first dose. Yeah. Um, And and yet they still, we had, uh, the last count was 30, 23 uh, residents and seven staff.
1: Yeah, and you know that's that that goes to show why you know the vaccine being vaccinated does not mean you are completely immune you have you have partial or some immunity and You know, it it goes to illustrate why we are all going to still have to do everything that we're doing to help control this pandemic until enough of us are vaccinated that it starts to really become a background noise. Um, And that, you know, as Fauci has alluded to, might take a year. We Mm -hmm. might be wearing a mask um, out in public for over a year still, believe it or not. Um, And there's
0: some significant lag time between the time you get your, your jab. And the time that you actually develop
1: significant there, immunity, there there is indeed it it takes you know the you don't reach sort of complete or maximal immunity um, until about two weeks after your second vaccine, um, and so that's that's important to keep in mind. A single vaccine does confer a fair amount of immunity. We've been seeing better and better data on that, and there's you know there's some suggestion um, that we could simply focus on giving everybody just one vaccine to sort of maximize coverage while we're still dealing with limited supply. Not clear whether that's entirely um, the route to take, and actually there is a study coming out of um, Scotland just today um, where they followed that, and it's pretty clear that a single-shot regimen results in Diminishing immunity um, after two to three months oh. that is allowing sort of a resurgence. So, the data, sort of, the, and certainly the t- clinical trials um, point toward staying the course with the two dose regimen.
0: Wow. So, have they found that anywhere the two dose regimen starts to have diminishing immunity? No,
1: it seems to be fairly durable. Wow. You know, we don't, you know, obviously it's it, these were only rolled into clinical trials in September, so we don't we don't have a, any timeline longer than that. Um, but You know, it's possible, it's probable even, that we're going to need a COVID booster shot um, in a year. Um, Or maybe even sooner if it gets reformatted and we start to see the British or South African strains really take hold.
0: Some people will get three shots before some others of us even get one. I don't think
1: that's (laughs) going to happen. I think we're going to have pretty much a fully vaccinated populace um, by early summer. (laughs) kids maybe not but adults certainly so
0: something to look forward to
1: yeah
0: um okay well let's go ahead and open up the phone line see what's on people's minds it's 707-895-2448 at 707-895-2448 this is the local coronavirus update i'm alicia bales in the studio with dr drew colfax hello caller you're live on the air yeah uh,
3: hi um Uh, I read an article um, online this morning, and um, the expert there was pointing out that the um, vaccination does not prevent you from being infected with COVID-19. That's not its purpose. What it does is it trains your, teaches your body how to deal with the infection if you do get one. That's all I have to add. right.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. I mean, you are if you're fully vaccinated and you have developed immunity to COVID, and you're exposed to COVID, the COVID is still going to enter into your body um, and replicate to some degree, which is how then the immune system is going to be able to recognize it. What it what the vaccine does do is it trains your immune system to recognize it in a way that prevents the virus from taking substantial hold in your body and causing severe illness. What we still don't know um, is whether it is whether the vaccine is sufficiently effective to prevent uh, you from transmitting um, COVID, or certainly whether you can transmit it asymptomatically if you're fully vaccinated. That data we just don't have yet. I suspect, um, and I've said this in the past, I suspect that we're going to find that there are some cases of people, you know, transmitting COVID asymptomatically if they're fully vaccinated, but that that um, occurrence, that incidence is going to be markedly diminished by the vaccine. But it's a good point, the caller mix.
0: Hello? Hello. Hello. We're going to go until 4 o'clock, so we've got 30 more minutes, and we're going to take our next call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on
3: the air. Hi, yes. Um, my mother just turned 103 yesterday, and I am wondering if um it's advised for her to get the shots, you know, knowing that the second shot can be bad for for you know I mean have um, side effects if it's still recommended for someone of her age uh,
1: yes, it is um and actually to leave some of your concerns, uh, we are generally seen um fewer side effects or fewer effects um, in the more elderly with the second dose of the vaccine Um, and those effects while perhaps unpleasant for some of us um, are not dangerous whereas if your 103 year old mother were to get COVID um, it would be a extremely dangerous condition for her Um, and so the risk benefit analysis on this one uh, clearly points toward a vaccination.
3: Okay well thank you she, um, just a little note, she did have the Spanish flu as a baby. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that's impressive. And actually, wow. a few months ago, I saw a 108-year-old in the emergency room. So, you know, good on your mother to make it to 103. <laughs> and you know, hopefully she makes it through this pandemic as well.
3: I hope so. Yeah. Thank you very much for all your help. Thank Thanks you. for the call. <phone rings> good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Yeah, hi. I have two questions about family. I have... Um, okay, am I on the air? You
1: are, yes.
0: You are, but oh, your okay. radio's on, so turn it off.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, I am going down to Southern California at some medical care that I can't get up here, and my sister lives down there, and she's fully vaccinated. She'll be 90 in July. Uh, I've been fully vaccinated, Do I need to take any precautions? Do I need to get, some before I go to see her and spend some time several days living with her, um, do I need to get some kind of a quick test, a fast test, and does she that's my
1: first question. Yeah, the the test really wouldn't change um, the recommendations in terms of what you two can do. I mean, presumably, uh, you both are still following sort of the COVID precautions, the COVID rules, if you will. Um, and the fact that you're both fully vaccinated um, greatly diminishes the probability or the possibility of your getting COVID and getting very ill from it. The The risk um, is still there in terms of one or the other of you having COVID and giving it to the other, but those those risks are markedly diminished due to your being vaccinated due to both of you being vaccinated. It really is going to require a personal decision or a discussion amongst the two of you, um, about how comfortable you are with those very minuscule risks versus, um, you know, not seeing each other or not being in the same house together for a couple of days of visiting. I, you know, the, the analogy, and I've had discussions with multiple healthcare providers. I mean, we live through the flu every year, right? And the flu kills, you know, ten to twenty thousand people each year in this country, not the five hundred thousand that we've seen with COVID. Um, but we don't, we don't shut ourselves down. We don't lock things down with the flu just because it's flu season. Mm-hmm. The risk that you have at this point is, you know analogous to the risk of your contracting flu or spreading flu to your sister, um, since you are both fully vaccinated. You know, flu is no joke when you're 90, to be certain. Um, but that's a risk that we have all lived with and been quite comfortable with for decades in this country. Um, so I, I would urge you to have a discussion with your sister. Um, maybe the compromise would be that you wear masks even when you're in the house together. Um, certainly be, you know, washing your hands and you're in Southern California so you can open the windows and keep the place well ventilated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and those kind of steps would mitigate any possible risk of transmission. But frankly, you know, if I were in your position, I might want to go see my 9 year old sister at this point.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay, now the other part is even worse.
1: Okay. Okay,
3: I have a, a granddaughter. I have family that lives in Texas, and they're anti-vaxxers and they're trumpeters, and they don't believe in COVID. They think it's a hoax. They don't pay any attention to it. They don't wear masks. Okay, my granddaughter, who I love very much, is getting married at the end of May. And she said, well, to be honest, Grammy, we don't wear masks. We don't think about COVID, and we don't really pay much attention to it. But if you want to wear a mask, you can, or we can have you sit separately. Um, that, I mean, this is really upsetting to me because I, I want to be there because I really care for her, but I don't want to... Um, Take any unnecessary risks.
1: Yeah, so that, that that's a much more um, fraught scenario. I mean, that that really would put you, even though you're vaccinated, you still could um, contract COVID, particularly in a mass gathering like that of unmasked individuals. Um, we're not going to know really where the pandemic stands in May um, until we get there. Um, But even if things are really well controlled, uh, that gives me serious pause. Um, I even, even you're attending that masked and vaccinated still has substantial, you know, the risk is low to be sure. Um, The absolute risk is low, but it's, it's much higher than your previous scenario. Um, You know, and it's, it's, it's just so frustrating to hear you describe your family members as not yeah. believing COVID with a half million deaths in this country. It's, I just it really bespeaks how confused we've gotten about what, what is real and what is what is news and what is not in this country. Um, you know, which is why we've gotten to a half million people, unfortunately. Yeah, it's really awful. They don't.
3: Um, it's kind of a, of a cult. This anti-vaxxer thing and this anti. Um, You know, believing reality is very much of a cult, and they turn off their brains. Yeah. Even though they're very, very intelligent people.
1: Well I, I'm not even sure they turn off their brains. I think yeah. they just they 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 are able to obtain alternative news sources that confirm um you know conf- their, confirm what what they believe. Um yeah. and so that that's the problem. I mean, we had a we had an administration that said this was all going to fade away like a like a miracle. Um yeah. and you know this was talked about at the highest levels in our government as very similar to the flu, which is obviously quite false oh,
3: right no. yeah so Sorry. between now and may if they would uh, if they would decide to get vaccinated then that would be a different story
1: right? yeah I, I think if everybody in that wedding party was vaccinated between now and may i don't think it's going to get to everybody that quickly but if that were to happen that would you know allow you to sort of reassess the risk um yeah but at this point I would I would urge you to not attend an event like that. It's just your your granddaughter does not want you to get COVID from a mass um, spreading yeah. event no. at a wedding.
0: Yeah. Not a good wedding gift, huh?
1: Yeah.
3: Well a terrible wedding
1: gift,
0: yes. All right. Well thanks All for right. the Okay. Well thank you very much. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye bye. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air.
4: Hello, Kmud. I love you guys.
0: Thanks. I love you too. <laughs> love um, came
4: up um, too. Absolutely. Look, I have a question, and then I'm going to ask, I'm going to tell you something. The question is emergency means what? It means an emerging urgency. You cannot please. The question is why, how can you diminish the time that your radio is addressing the message? Of the age. The message that the earth is giving us is there is an emergency now. It's related to COVID. It's a message for you, and you need to read it and understand it and go into it, not ignore it. No, please, no. More time. More time. What is it doing to us? It's a litmus paper for every nation, every person. What is this thing? Please, give us mercy. Help us. Okay. A, give us some Her? more time right. to talk about right. this thing. Right. What, what is this happening to us? Thank you. All right. Did you have a question? The question is, please, if you don't keep up the same amount of time talking about COVID, start a new program called Earth Emergency. What is COVID really saying to us about uh, you know, what we really need to do now? Now. Emergency right. new programs. Thanks do, a lot, caller. Do different things now okay. about this. Go Not
1: well. less. All right. Well, you know, he does make a good point in that you know our our increasing um environmental strain on our planet and our increasing population pushing into animal populations is going to result in more and more frequent um, pandemics like this—that's that's the reality that has been recognized for the last 20 to 30 years. We've had a couple close calls uh, with emerging pathogens from zoonotic sources in the last couple of decades, and this turned to be not such a close call um, with with coronavirus. And I you know I fear and I expect that in our lifetimes um, that we're going to see you know another pandemic like this. Yeah. Um, so he he makes it a good. A good point, even though I felt like I had delved into an apocalypse now sort of moment there.
0: We do, well, we also have to think about the public health implications of climate change. I mean, that's going to be you know, could possibly make this pandemic look like a trial run. So, absolutely good points, good points. And uh, hey, you know, that tone is like a lot of us are are kind of feeling on edge like that, for sure.
1: It's frustrating, to be certain. And, you know, it's the climate change sort of apocalypse, if you will, mm-hmm. um, is, you know, for now still generally moving more slowly. And it's always going to be you know, hard to ascribe a freak weather event to climate change versus just a freak weather event. Mm-hmm. And there will continue to be, much like the previous caller's family in Texas, people who just won't believe the science.
0: This is the local coronavirus update, our new and improved one-hour version. We are now switching to Mondays from 3 to 4 for this program, and we're going to go back to a regular schedule on Wednesdays. I think we have another caller on the line. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am here. Right, thanks for waiting. Uh, not to turn the direction directly,
5: but I guess I need mean to. I am concerned about um, I have two things. First of all, is my turn sign-up? Uh, if I'm signed up, pardon me. <laughs> if I'm, excuse me, signed up at the clinic in Boonville. If I'm on their list, do I need to still sign up on myturn.gov or c.gov?
1: Uh, the answer to that I believe uh, with a fairly high degree of certainty is no. Um I don't think it would hurt to be signed up on as many different um, sites as possible, but if you're signed up with your local health center, um they will contact you knowing your age and whatever other information they requested uh, right. when when your turn is up. Um and yeah,
5: so I- I understand that. I just wanted to know if we also needed to do the other, so that's good. No.
6: Uh, the second question is when they do finish the 75 and up and go to 74 to 65,
5: will they be doing that in descending ages? Will they start with a 74 year old? No, it'll
1: it'll be in a block, and it it won't. And when they move down to sixty five and up, um, it's not going to exclude the people over seventy five. So it's not going to be like you miss your opportunity at the age of seventy seven, and now you have to wait until the end of the line again. Uh, they'll just they'll just move the, um, age cutoff down to sixty five, and and contact people at that point. But they won't.
5: Would they be? Picking the 65-year-old before the 74-year-old. No, That's my no, question.
1: they will not. That per, They will not be doing it that way.
5: Okay, so hopefully we'll go in order. Thank you very much. That's it for today. Okay. Thank right. you. good Thank question. Bye now. Thanks.
1: We have, before we take the next car, we have an email question um, about treatment of the COVID vaccine side effects or effects, um, whether it's okay to take Tylenol or other medications, including ibuprofen or aspirin. All of those are fine, um, provided that you tolerate each or, each and every one of those medications from previous experience. I generally, as a physician, recommend ibuprofen and Tylenol on an alternating regimen. Aspirin can be quite hard on the stomach. But if you have been tolerating full-dose 325 aspirins for years, then that is certainly fine to take after the second dose of the vaccine.
0: Yeah, a couple people have wondered that. Uh, ready for another call? Sure. Caller, are you still there? I am. Hey, go ahead. It's your turn. Uh, all right. Hi, thank you. Um, since
6: is doing such a good job with its vaccinations, do you have any idea when they might get to the 60 to 65-year-old population? If the, are they If they're going to continue to just work their
1: way down the, down I, the age group. I, we are super cl- I don't know if it's going to happen this week or next week. I, I can say with some degree of certainty that we are very close because I know that the... Uh, local health centers have almost completely maxed out their 75 and plus uh, age population. Um, and so we are really on the cusp of dropping it to 65. It might come down from uh, Corin, um this week. I know that Adventist um, has moved down, and I, I'm not certain as to whether Consolidated has done that at, uh, yet or not. But it's... It's coming. Let me just put it that way. The problem still is we're just not getting, you know, the the number of doses that we can administer into this county. I mean, we could we could put together vaccine events and you know go through literally ten thousand people a week in this county. We have the resources. We have the motiva- motivated healthcare providers to do that. But we are getting a small fraction of ten thousand doses in this county per week.
6: Right. I I just don't know what the population is in the county in different age groups. So that's why I was. If you had any yeah, sense I mean, it, when, if it keeps at the same pace, when they might get to um, the sixty to sixty-five group,
1: I'm sorry, sixty to sixty-five. So under sixty-five, yeah, that that's probably going to be, you know, just to. To estimate, I think that'll probably be at least a month away still um, at our current pace. Um, It might be, you know, a little bit under a month, but I think we're not going to drop below 65 uh, for people who aren't otherwise qualified for a while, um, just waiting for the state supply to catch up. All righty. Thanks so much. You're welcome.
0: All right. Thank you. And we also have the the uh, larger group of people starting March 15th uh, with people with medical conditions uh, down to age 16, right?
1: Yeah, I, I have no idea how that's going to work. It, it seems misguided at best.
0: All right, let's take our <laughs> next call. <laughs> Whoop, nobody's there. Hello, caller, you're live on the air. Yeah, I wanted to ask, and this may be old news, um, and
6: thank you so much again. What a, so terrific as all you guys are. I think, um, um, it, how, what is the percentage of people who
5: are asymptomatic and can people who are asymptomatic uh, have long-term effects from having COVID despite having no symptoms uh, earlier on? And I'll take my answer off the air and thanks
1: again. Sure. So th- those are good questions. Those are really good questions. And the percentage of asymptomatic people, we still don't have a firm handle on it. But the the best estimate of healthcare providers, um, is that it's around 50%. Um, it might be a little bit a little bit off of that, but generally around half of the people who get COVID are just going to have no symptoms at all, or at least not symptoms that they pay any attention to. Which is why this is such a successful virus. Um or one of the many reasons why. As for your second question in regards to long COVID, um you know long covid is actually it's it's going to become our it's going to become a bane of our existence, wow. I'm afraid, um, for a minority of people. We healthcare providers suspect that the people are going to have sort of these prolonged episodes of um, illness or prolonged illness from COVID are going to have had a symptomatic, um, you know, acute phase. Um, We don't know that definitively. The data on that is still elusive. It's hard to quantify it, and it's being studied pretty intensively. Um, But we don't know yet. But the The supposition, um, sort of the biological um, thought of most people who are looking into this is that you're going to have to have some sort of symptoms for your body to manifest a a long COVID syndrome.
0: You're not going to have like the the brain fog or the purple toes or something if you didn't have any other symptoms?
1: I I don't want to say definitively, but I think most people who are going to have the long COVID are going to have had a a symptomatic acute phase of the illness. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, this is the local coronavirus update. You are not mistaken. We are going longer than than usual. We're long, going,
1: it's long COVID. It's, how
0: are you doing?
1: <laughs> oh, I'm just perky. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, still you still have some answers in there. <laughs> All right, let's let's take an email. It's um, what do you think of youth playing contact sports outside at this time, such so as soccer, lacrosse, football, etc., especially when they're not required to wear masks?
1: Well, you know, as a healthcare provider, I'm not a big fan of football. Um, <laughs> But in general, as a COVID-related question, I think outdoor activities, particularly amongst children or youth, is entirely um, justified. It's it's not. Of course, completely risk free, um, but the sports themselves probably pose more of a healthcare risk than the risk of COVID transmission amongst people playing those sports. Um, even so, if they
0: bump into each other.
1: Even if they bump into each other, they're playing outdoors. Um, you can't obviously play sports wearing masks, and I understand that, but you're outdoors, you have transitory encounters on the field, if you will, um, and that's just not going to spread COVID. What happens on the sideline needs to be fairly well policed. Um, you know, you can't have people congregate or people need to slip masks on when they're on the sidelines you can't have the locker room or any of those sort of indoor activities without you know covid precautions but outdoor sports uh, I, I would green light that immediately
0: all right we're going till four o'clock the number here is 707-895-2448 that's 707-895-2448 we have another caller hello caller you live on the air hello hello hi thank you
6: for the program um I am 75 years old, and I have not been vaccinated. I have tried and tried to get signed up. I, I'm, I belong to the uh, Coast Clinic, and they have not called me. So my experience is that it's very different from what you are talking about. I have tried my best to get, to get a vaccination, and it still is not happening.
1: Yeah, that's that's frustrating to hear, and I you know I'm frustrated for you, frankly. Um, And it really bespeaks the lack of a centralized uh, vaccine rollout that we're all dealing with. I mean, that's why we have you know we've been talking about all these different websites that seem to be shifting all the time. I'm you know in my 50s, I'm not the most computer savvy person, and I you know and I imagine as we get older, we are even less so. I don't know why MCC hasn't contacted you. Um, It might be that they are still working their way through the list of 75-year-olds. I suspect they still are, as we haven't rolled down to the 65 and up category yet. So I would just confirm that you are, in fact, properly registered with them, that they have your right phone number, and that you will answer your phone when they contact you. But they should and will be contacting you to get the vaccine yeah, any day now, it might be this event that's going to be occurring this week. Um, so I would just confirm your status with them um, by a phone call um, rather than going to a website at this point and you know, stand right. stand by for vaccination because you should be vaccinated, you know, you know, promptly in this county at this point.
6: Well, ho- hopefully, but um, you know, I, I' registered on every website that I could. I have in fact called the clinic several times and, the, and they just say, don't call us, we'll call you. Uh, and the last time they sent me a text message saying, don't call us, we'll call you, but they, they still do not call.
1: Well, that, and so, that so that just bespeaks that you've been, you know, one of the unlucky 75-and-up-year-old people who has not yet, you know, um, had their number called, um, you know, in their in their rollout of the vaccine in your age cohort, um, and that's you know that's going to happen. You know, there is going to be you know the last seventy five year old in this county who gets vaccinated, unfortunately, um, by by happenstance or not. Um, you know, it's the more. Pernicious uh, problem is getting the vaccine rolled out to the Latinx community because there's obviously significant barriers to communication and computer access and uh, contacting the Latinx community, which has borne you know the majority of the uh, COVID burden in this county. Um, and so, trying to get that population vaccinated is something that needs to continue to be a focus of public health as well as Adventist and the rest of the health care providers. But as for you personally you know, just hang in there. It sounds like they do have your information um, I know that the don't call us, we'll call you um, communication is not exactly what you want to hear but they will be calling you And that, you know, that, that tells me that <laughs> you will in fact be contacted and I suspect this week frankly
5: uh,
6: Well I hope so I hope so. Hang
0: in there. Okay, well, all right. Thank you. Okay, keep in touch. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, you want to try one more? Sure. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on KZYX. Hi, um, I have a question. <laughs> Good, go ahead. Are you still taking
6: them? Yes. Um, oh, excuse me. I'll, I'll turn off my radio. Um, sorry, I'm trying to turn my radio off. There we go. Um. I um in the beginning of January with the first weekend I discovered that I had missed two clinics through Adventist. I'm 79, I'll be 80 this year, I'll be 80 soon. Um my son called and said, Are you, "You know what what's going with the vaccines there? Try to find out." So I set myself the goal of trying to Sunday afternoon of that weekend to find where I could get vaccinated and I just I I signed up for everything. I had already signed up for the Hilltop Clinic where I go. I had signed up for the county, but it was brand new at that point. And um, I kept looking and looking. And somebody said, try Adventist, but there was nothing under hospital. But there was one under Adventist um, vaccinations. And I checked, and um, it was full. They had already um, filled their quota. But they encouraged people to come anyways, which I did. It was a nice day. I figured I'd take a book and just wait um, and, and I had my first vaccination on Monday the third Monday the third, and my last vaccination um, two weeks ago exactly. so sometimes it pays to be a little proactive even now I mean I'm getting things from mendocino county, but i I'm you know because I signed up for that list, but I've heard nothing from my clinic at all so sometimes if you can have somebody help you and be a little proactive in finding where to get these, it might help.
1: Indeed. And, you know, I, I think the county and Adventist and, you know, all healthcare providers are encouraging the more computer savvy of us to um, get um, our family and friends who qualify signed up on these various platforms so they are on, in fact, a list to, to be called when their when their numbers comes up.
0: But I did talk to Dr. Corrin today, just before the show, and he was distressed that They had an event this weekend where a lot of people from out of town just showed up. So he said it was actually, um, it was extremely problematic, that it was a danger to people to have a bunch of people showing up who didn't have appointments. I know Adventist has offered some walk-in appointments, and they'll be real clear that, you know, there's 20 then you can come at 8 a.m. and get your ticket or whatever. But so that does seem like a, a problem that the different vaccine events are grappling with is people just showing up. So I wouldn't advise that.
1: Yeah, and we don't, I mean, uh, we, I have spoken against the wisdom of, you know, trans-county travel for a vaccine. It's just, it's it's being allocated in a way that, you know, believe it or not, may um, have some um, basis in science and population distribution. And if we start traveling from county to county uh, trying to seek out vaccines, it's just going to, you know, it could lead to further transmission of COVID, uh, for starters, and it's certainly going to just gum up sort of the the vaccine effort that um, public health and the various health care providers are trying to organize and keep organized as we roll through this.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here on our first hour-long local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. We'll be back Monday. Yes. A whole week. Wow. With more coronavirus update and answers to your questions. Thanks, everybody, for your calls. Thanks for trying the new format, Yeah,
1: no, well, Joe Biden helped a little bit.
0: (laughs) And we will see you next week.
1: All right. Be safe, everybody.
0: been
5: listening to the local coronavirus update from kzyx and z mendocino county public broadcasting in philo california this podcast is made possible by funding from the mask awareness project of north coast opportunities to hear this program live tune in on mondays wednesdays and fridays at 3 p.m pacific time to kzyx philo 90.7 fm kzyz in ukiah at 91.5 fm and in fort bragg at 88.1 fm or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.